0: Startle us, O God, with your mercy. Open us to your love. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning and happy Sunday to you. Today is our Sabbath, our day of rest. These days we often forget with all the stores still open and soccer games to be played that today is meant to be holy, set apart, which means a break from the rushing and producing of the rest of our lives. Sunday is a day a favorite author of mine says is for renewing our love affair with eternity. Renewing our love affair with the things in the world that really matter and last. One of the ways we do that is by telling the stories of our faith. Stories about the kind of life to which God is calling us. Today's story is one of the best ones, and it brings with it an an unusual challenge. The Good Samaritan is probably the best-known story in the entire New Testament. Even outside of any religious context in this world where most folks do not go to church, we still hear people referred to as Good Samaritans out there in the world. Lots of non-Christians know this story. Here in church, many of you may have heard dozens of sermons on this story in your lifetime. And so the challenge of this story becomes a different one than most weeks. How do we keep this well-worn story from becoming stale and meaningless? And how do we remember that this is the story that so often out there speaks for Christianity. And what do we do about that? Preachers and scholars have tried many strategies to keep this story fresh. Some of you may have heard debates about the priest and the Levite, these two religious people who see the man in the ditch but pass by on the other side. Some argue that perhaps they passed by because of Jewish purity laws, that defilement would have come from touching a corpse. Critics of that idea reply that there is no evidence in the story that the man was dead, and that the mandate to give a proper burial would always have outweighed any purity law. These are the kinds of nuances that sometimes become the focus of yet another sermon on the Good Samaritan. Jewish scholar A.J. Levine, who has visited us here at Knox, argues a different kind of specific point. She says the essence of this story is found in understanding the deep mutual dislike that existed between Jews and Samaritans. She claims the present-day equivalent would be for a modern Jew like her to accept life-saving help from a member of Hamas. I'm sure the opposite would also be true. She says if you want to understand this story, you have to put yourself in the position of the man in the ditch and imagine that you would rather die than accept help from the one who offered it than to have to say, He's the one who offered compassion. She's the one who offered help, who saved my life. You would rather die. That is the level of challenge that this story is supposed to bring to our typical and harmless idea of what it means to be a neighbor. Now, armed with scholarly arguments like these, which are interesting enough, I wonder if preachers complicate this story so much that we become detached from the point. And I wonder if we are immobilized into navel-gazing about what really is the right thing to do and end up doing nothing. So I was grateful when I came across the work of theologian Douglas John Hall, who reminds us from a place of great sophistication that this story is deceptively simple. This is a story about what the text itself calls mercy, or if you will, kindness. It is about the importance of being kind and the reminder that often the kindnesses that our world needs the most are the ones that are the most difficult and that come with real costs. This deceptively simple message is clear when we pay attention to the context of the story, something that we often ignore. Jesus tells this story of a man on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He tells it in response to a question he is asked. An expert in the law wants to challenge Jesus, and so asks him, Jesus, what is the greatest of the commandments? And Jesus helps him name two. Love the Lord your God with all your mind and all your soul and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And wanting to further test Jesus... The lawyer presses him who is my neighbor and so jesus tells this story about a priest and a levite who walk by a robbed and beaten man and a samaritan his cultural enemy who saves his life and goes to great lengths to help him and when he finishes telling the story jesus says to the lawyer which of the three was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers. And the lawyer sums it up. He says, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. The lawyer is so deeply offended that it is the Samaritan who acts as the neighbor that he does not even acknowledge him by name. But he gets the point of the story. The one who acted as a neighbor, the one who knows the commandments, is the one who shows mercy. So what kind of mercy, what kind of costly kindness are we talking about here? Here I find it helpful to be reminded of something that's kind of obvious, but it's still easy to forget. The man in the ditch, he is just as much of a nuisance to the Samaritan as he would have been to the priest or the Levite. Which is to say that it's not that the priest and the Levite just weren't the nicest of guys or that they were distracted or they had some other excuse. And likewise... It is not that this particular Samaritan was just unusually nice or that he took great pleasure in helping this man. The animosity between Jews and Samaritans was mutual. It went both ways. And also, we have every reason to believe that all three of these passers-by were on their way somewhere. All of them could have made excuses. So when the Samaritan stops to help, he apparently does so at great cost to himself. He has all the same inconveniences, and this is a man he's not supposed to want to help. He probably does not want to think about the man in the ditch as his neighbor. He probably does not really have disposable income to spend on helping this man. He probably does not have the time to stop what he is doing and take a major detour on his travel. But none of that matters because the man in the ditch needs help. So the Samaritan does the right thing. He shows kindness and mercy. This, I believe, is what makes the story so powerful and memorable for people who may otherwise know nothing about Christianity. People are moved by this story and remember it because we need signs of what it means to do the right thing. We need people of mercy and kindness in the world. So what does that look like in the world in which we live? I thought of a couple of people I know, they may not be the perfect examples, but maybe my telling you about them will cause you to think of people you know. In Divinity School, I knew a couple of doctors named T.C. and Liz. T.C. was a surgeon. When he was a little over 50, T.C. left his surgery practice and he joined Doctors Without Borders. The program directors there correctly observed that he was the kind of guy willing to do whatever it took to help other people, even in the most desperate of circumstances. So in place of physicians who were 20 years or more younger than he, they gave T.C. their toughest assignments. They sent him to Darfur in Sudan and to Port Harcourt, Liberia. At one point in Liberia, TC was the only surgeon left in the entire country. On each three-month assignment, TC, who normally weighed about 210 pounds, would drop 30 pounds in three months because the work was so taxing to his body. These locations were deeply unsafe, and TC left behind a wife and two children who were in college, just starting their adult lives. I think not only of TC, but of those family members of his who shared their dad, their husband, with other people they did not know who needed him so much. And I think of all of the people whose names I don't know who have done the same thing. The nurses and orderlies in the program throughout the world. The hospital employees in those countries who made the same sacrifices and whose families did the same. And I think of people living in those desperate war-torn countries who themselves bring beaten and robbed people from the roadside to the hospital at great personal risk. Good Samaritans, this is kindness, this is mercy. Sometimes real kindness and real mercy happens closer to home, I thought of another friend I'm blessed to know. His name is Felipe. Felipe's is in his 50s, and years ago, Felipe and his spouse decided to adopt children. They took older kids, the kind that most adopting parents don't want to mess with. And even though they are great and loving parents to this day, their adopted kids have grown into young adults who are really struggling. And in the midst of their struggles, those adult kids have given birth to children of their own and can't take care of them. And so Felipe and his wife are parents again, raising grandchildren who need them. It's a time in their life when they thought they'd be spending their time and their money in other ways. And it's a story that I believe is powerful because of how common it is. We often forget how many innocent young children are being shown incredible kindness and mercy by grandparents who are raising them. It happens for all kinds of reasons all over our city, and it happens all the time. Good Samaritans. Who do you think of? Who have you witnessed showing kindness and mercy in ways that demand great sacrifice? Who do you see taking care of other people even when they have a hard time seeing the results or when fate has been unfair or unkind to them? This is the kind of goodness the kind of kindness, the kind of mercy we're talking about. Sometimes this story about the Good Samaritan gets grossly understated. The Good Samaritan is not someone who leaves a good tip or volunteers at Christmas, though those are good things to do. And the person in the ditch who might be your enemy is not emblematic of your in-law who is a pain in the behind, or the person down your street who is a member of the other political party. Those may be challenging relationships in your life. They are not your enemies. This story of the Good Samaritan is much bigger than those situations. It catches our attention and always has because of the dramatic kindness and mercy shown here. No matter how much we want to say this level of kindness just isn't practical for us, no matter how often we want to find a fitting excuse for the priest and the Levite, because most of the time we act the way that they did, the challenge of this story remains the same. Like the lawyer, we have to admit that the one who is our neighbor is the one who shows mercy, this deep, And costly kindness. Whenever you hear this story, remember that out there beyond the walls in this world, this is the most famous story about Jesus. This is the faith for which we are supposed to be known. And it is the lack of this behavior that most often shows Christians to be hypocrites. It is the level of commitment to which Jesus calls us. It is the faith into which we baptize children. And in the promises that we make as a congregation to nurture them in the faith, we remind ourselves that this is supposed to be our standard for kindness. And that may sound completely overwhelming and probably makes many of you want to head for the door. So I want to suggest one more thing about this story that perhaps you haven't thought about. This story is almost always told the way that I have told it as a morality tale, a story about the way that we're supposed to act, and perhaps that is not what it's all about in the earliest church this story was often read differently it was often read as an allegory and different identities were assigned to the characters imagine that the victim in the ditch is you and that the people who walk by are most people in the world we just like them all often judge and disregard people who have fallen on hard times. But the Samaritan, the Samaritan is God. And regardless of the many good reasons that there may be for God to pass you by, because many times you have acted unkindly or unmercifully, kindness and mercy god has for you is like that of the samaritan the one who stops who gives generously who offers healing and hope who restores you to life and gives you another chance even when we have shown ourselves to be unkind, unmerciful, unloving. God loves us still.